Morning, everybody. Good to see you today. How are you feeling? You know why I ask? Because I care. You know, I'm uh, feeling very encouraged today. Uh, some of you have been members here a long time. Know that I have been coming back to different uh, Old Dominion basketball reunions for many years now. We don't want to say how many. But, uh, you know, at times there's been many, you know, big gaps, uh, several years, maybe even five, ten years between visits. But, uh, you know, since Sean has been here, this is like two years in a row. If you're a member here, maybe you were here last year I was here. Uh, don't tell me you forgot. I would not be encouraging. But anyway, uh, you know, it was great. I, uh, I, I, I'm coming in, and you know, I don't necessarily assume that I'll get the opportunity to speak. And so I came last year, and uh, Sean gave me the opportunity to speak. And uh, it, it seemed like this year he gave me the, uh, an opportunity again. You know, I kind of felt like when I was uh, dating my future wife, Mary Kay, after that first date, she wanted to go on a second one. So this is our second date today. Um, <laughs> Not me and Sean. That that's that's weird. You know, we're uh, just with the church. Good to be here. Um, looking forward to the lesson day. Look over in Mark chapter five. We'll go ahead and get started here. In uh, in our church back in Los Angeles, in our part of the church, we're doing a, uh, a sermon series from the. Gospel of Mark, or the book of Mark, Mark's account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And I know you've been doing Luke for uh, quite some time. So we're going to, uh, I'm being kind here. So we're going to go into Mark today and uh, look at one of the stories there. That's where our series is. In fact, I've titled my series back in Los Angeles, In Search of the Real Jesus. And the reason is because uh, I'm convinced that in, uh, in, in our nation and perhaps even we could say the world that there are a lot of ideas about who Jesus are that are not exactly biblical ideas it's not exactly so we, we just want to go back to the to the source take a fresh look at Jesus can I say this that I think even though perhaps some of us who are most familiar with Jesus are most in danger of thinking we've already figured him out I personally believe that all of you and myself, we still have much to learn about the real Jesus. We've never known a perfect person. Have you figured that out? You're not married to one. Your spouse is not married to one either. You know, there, there are no perfect people around. So there's layers to Jesus. It's an orchestra. It's a symphony. And if we just focus on you know, the, 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 the woodwinds or, or the, the, the flutes, we, we're going to miss, we miss the whole thing together. I think in particular I'm concerned that there's an evangelical Jesus. There's a Jesus that's being marketed in many Protestant churches today who is all about grace and love and forgiveness and softness and kindness and gentleness. And I like that Jesus. And I believe in that Jesus. But that's not all there is to Jesus. Jesus also has expectations. Jesus also challenges us. Jesus also really is uh, constantly wanting us to grow. And I, I know that's one of your themes this year, uh, of uh, perhaps your theme of being transformed. 
and going further, and you're going to get a chance to do that today as we look at the real Jesus. The, uh, the title of the lesson is Dig Deep. Jesus is going to ask us all to dig deep today. Mark chapter 5, are you there? Now as we begin this story, we begin in verse uh, 21, and I'll go through the rest of the chapter there. We'll uh, read it uh, sort of in different parts. I want you to, uh, maybe even if you're very uh, familiar with the story, I want you to try to look at it with, with fresh eyes. Maybe perhaps like you were reading it for the very first time. I want you to, to imagine specifically that there's a man named Jairus here. I want you to imagine that you are him. One of the best ways that I've found to get the most out of my Bible is to put myself in the story. Imagine that you are Jairus in this story, and we'll sort of talk about what he does and what perhaps he thinks and what he might be feeling. And I think we'll find that we can uh, perhaps relate to him uh, in this story. Let's, uh, let's read together. Verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went away with him. How's Jairus feeling right now? Jairus is a synagogue ruler. He is a very important man in the Jewish faith. He, in the local synagogue, he is sort of the CEO. He administrates everything that happens. He chooses this. He may not be speaking that day, but he is, you know, in charge of the whole service and everything that's going on. A lot of the Jewish religious leaders did not accept Jesus. They did not embrace Jesus. He obviously does. He comes to Jesus. Huge crowd there. He somewhere how fights his way right up to Jesus. You ever try to just get to one person in the middle of a huge crowd? He gets to Jesus and he has this incredible. Uh, plea of faith. His daughter's dying. He's hoping against hope that perhaps Jesus will want to come and heal his daughter who is dying. And Jesus decides to do it. And so the group is, takes off. And it's exciting, isn't it? Jairus is feeling pretty awesome, right? You know, the emergency vehicles are in motion. The, uh, the red lights are flashing. The horns are blaring. The sirens are going off. They're making their way to the house of Jairus. They want to get there just in time and hopefully, you know, to save this daughter that's dying. Jairus is feeling pretty good, isn't he? He's feeling like, wow, it was almost too much to ask, but I believe that my faith is going to be rewarded. Well, let's see how the rest of the story goes. A large crowd followed, pressing around him. That's Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Insert joke about the medical profession. Anyway, we'll go on. Um, 
Some of you may feel like you relate to that. We won't blame it on the doctors, right? But we understand, we relate to that. There's times when you're doing everything you can, you're you're, you're spending your money, you're trying to healing you, somebody you love, nothing's happening. This was this woman. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. She felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? One of the other accounts says that Peter's the one who said that. You know anything about Peter, you're not surprised. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? We'll stop there. So now how are you feeling if you're Jairus? Everything's looking great, and then on the way to the house, this woman, and, you know, she has some sort of hemorrhage. It's a chronic condition. It's evidently not an emergency-type condition. I mean, she is evidently, you know, not in danger of dying imminently. She's got a serious, not to say she doesn't have a serious problem. She has faith. She touches the cloak of Jesus. She's healed. That's awesome. She just, and Jesus feels it, knows it, understands it. He decides he wants to stop and find this woman to have a conversation with her. How are you feeling if you're Jairus? Is that really so important? My daughter is dying. But yet Jesus wants to have a... And even his his own uh, disciples thought, well, this is a really crazy thing you want, Jesus. Where are we going to find this woman? And there was a reason this woman was probably doing this, you know, on the the sly, as, as you might know. She had this hemorrhage of blood, and so in the Jewish faith, she would be regarded as unclean. She shouldn't be out touching people. She shouldn't be in a crowd. She certainly shouldn't be touching a rabbi like Jesus. So she knew she was taking a risk. And so she's probably thinking, now, uh uh-oh, Jesus is looking for me. Right? That ever happened to you in school? You know, whenever they, uh, when I was in school, whenever they called and said, would Reese Nealon please come to the principal's office? I always took that as a bad sign. So, Anyway, but he wants, of course, Jesus wants to reward her faith. Jesus wants to strengthen her faith. Jesus wants to encourage her, and he does that. And so he takes, we don't know how long, it takes some time to get through the crowd. I mean, there's huge thousands of people there. Find this woman, and then the report comes. Jairus, messenger comes from the house of Jairus. Your daughter has died. What just a few moments ago, 
was perhaps one of the highest, most exciting, most promising, positive experiences. Now, you got to think, a lot of us are dads, right? Moms, dads. you got to think, this is the low point of his life. His daughter is dead. Some of you may have suffered similarly. But I think for most of us who are parents, the one thing we don't want to do is bury our children. You know, we don't want to see that. I know it happens. And probably, I'm sure it's happened to some of you, it's terrible. I just can't imagine how he's feeling. And if I'm Jairus, here's what I'm tempted to think about Jesus. We're trying to see the real Jesus here. I'm thinking, I'm tempted to think, at least, Jesus is insensitive. Jesus is unloving. Jesus is cruel. He stopped for this woman who was not in imminent danger, had already been healed, and my daughter dies. You know, if you actually did something like, there's a certain protocol in emergency rooms, and if you went into an emergency room and, and some doctor treated a woman who'd been chronically ill for 12 years and left, you know, and ignored the person who was dying, that's, that's medical malpractice right there, right? It never happened. It seems. But here's the thing. This is the real Jesus. We know how, a lot of you already know how the story's going to end. But I want you to put your place, put yourself in Jairus. Jesus is asking Jairus to dig deeper in his faith. As much faith as he already had. And many of you have a lot of faith. And you've been at this a long time. And you're doing great spiritually. And you believe and you have faith. But perhaps no matter where you are or how awesome you're doing today and how great your faith, Jesus wants you to go even further. The the faith that this man demonstrated, Jairus, already was impressive. But now Jesus asked him to dig deep. To find even more faith. All of my sermons that I preach these days have one point. I'm not sure if my audience can handle more than one. I'm talking about the the people of Los Angeles. You could probably handle more. But here's the thing. The real Jesus wants all of us to dig deep, to go further in our faith. So let's read on. And this is kind of the the crux of the story right here. What comes next? The news comes. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said. You know, sometimes in your journey, your spiritual journey, you need to listen to what other people say. And sometimes you need to ignore what other people say. Ignoring what they said. Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't 
be afraid. Just believe. The next time that you feel a faith challenge, and I believe that perhaps in this room today, probably every person has some kind of faith challenge before you right now. You know what Jesus is saying to you today? You know what he's saying to me today? Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Just believe. You know, sometimes we make it a lot more complicated than it needs to be. What if every time we faced a faith challenge, we just remembered the words of Jesus? Do not be afraid. Just believe. You ever uh, get a song stuck in your head? And you, you know, it's so, fr- you just can't get it out. Has that ever happened to you? That happened to me recently, this last year, that uh, Taylor Swift song, Shake It Off. You know what? I don't, I don't know that it's a great song. I heard it once, and I just couldn't get it out of my head. All day, all, I mean, you know, and sometimes these things, they last for days, right? And you, and you, and you know, everybody around you is, is frustrated. Because this is all, you, you can't, you're just humming it, you're singing it. I got this song in my head, shake it off, shake it off. I started changing, like, get it out, get it out. But here, what if we would get, let the words of Jesus get stuck in our heads? Get stuck in our hearts. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Let's read the rest of the story. He did not let anyone follow him, verse 37, except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. You know, the crowd started out to be very large. There was a huge entourage with him, and now the, through, the, through the challenges of faith, it's being pared down. There's only three, three guys with Jesus. They show up at the house. They came to the home of the synagogue ruler. Jesus saw the commotion, people crying, wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Now I want you to notice what the real Jesus does next. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples were with him and went to where the child was. I think we need to understand this. If we decide, even in these kinds of challenging situations, that we will not believe You, the real Jesus, may come and put you out. In a spiritual sense, you're not going to see the miracle. You're not going to experience the victory. The power of God is not going to be available for you. Because you, even in this challenge, did not dig deep and did not decide to believe. Jesus put them out. This is not necessarily evangelical Jesus. This is not soft, kind, gentle, gracious Jesus. He's all of that. Don't get me wrong. He's just a lot more than that. 
He's a lot more than that. He took her by the hand, the little girl, said to her, Talitha Koum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Does that surprise you? This is something we need to understand about the real Jesus. A lot of people today, their whole faith is consumed with miracles and seeing miracles, experiencing miracles. And certainly, the real Jesus has the power to do miracles, and the real Jesus does miracles. But I want to try to put this in perspective. He did it then, he does it now. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four accounts we have of the life of Jesus. The way most people would count, there are a total of three dozen miracles that are mentioned in the entire life and ministry of Jesus. Now, the Bible does say that there were more than that that are not recorded. But the focus, somebody said that earlier during the well, the focus is not about the miracle. The miracles are important. The miracles demonstrate that he's who Jesus, who Jesus is. But the reason Jesus came, yes, he wanted to create faith, but it was because he had a message. Do you realize, let's, can we just have a moment of honesty here? Jesus only raised three people from the dead that we know of. The daughter of Jairus, the son of the widow of Nain, and Lazarus. And I think it's fair to assume that they all three died again later. Just being honest, right? Can we be honest? The real Jesus came... And he had, did, and he is doing very little, very little to relieve the problem of pain and suffering of people. I don't care how much you pray and how much you believe. People get sick and people die. We need to understand the purpose of the miracles. This is important. They create faith. But Jesus didn't heal everybody. Jesus didn't raise everybody from the dead. He didn't do it then. He didn't do it now. Not going to do it now. The miracles are there. More than anything, what they do is give us a vision of what Jesus is going to do for all of us on the other side. On the other side, if we have faith and we live for Jesus in this life, we will all be resurrected. On the other side, if we live for Jesus and we have faith, we will all be healed. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more sin. There will be no more temptation. We have seen just enough of the power of Jesus to understand what waits us on the other side. The reason this is important because if you're Jairus, this is a great story. But as we apply this to our life, what if you pray and what if you are coming to Jesus? What if you don't get your miracle? Or maybe even worse, what if somebody else in the fellowship gets a miracle and you don't? 
that's where you got to dig deep in your faith. Because what we can do is we can be bitter. We can lose faith. I don't know if Jesus could heal anymore. I don't know if Je- he can do it. But we need to keep things in perspective. You know, for Jairus, this was, Jesus challenged him. You know, a lot of times Jesus, when Jesus waits and when Jesus doesn't answer a prayer, he's got a purpose. There's a purpose behind things that we can't see. We may understand it in the future, we may not. Jairus came for a healing, but he got a resurrection. Because he was willing to dig deep in his faith, he ended up saying, it reminds me of that scripture in Ephesians 3, verse 20. You know, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. We've got to keep dreaming. We've got to keep believing. But the challenge is when we don't get our miracle. You know, that's one of, I think, well, why did Jesus tell him not to tell anybody that this happened? Again, I think Jesus was very concerned that the message not be overwhelmed by the miracles. The miracles had a purpose. They were real. Then and now. Are you with me here? I hate to keep repeating myself, but I will. Because if you don't get it, you know, I'm just going to have to keep saying it. Here's the thing. I want everybody here to dig deep in their faith. Now and in the future. And when people that you love get sick, you pray for a miracle. And when people that you love, you pray for them to be saved, and, but they die. Still keep believing. Still keep believing. When people that you care about, that you reach out to, family members, friends, neighbors, co-workers, and you make your best efforts, and it's year after year, and it's a long time, and they don't come around, don't be afraid, just believe. And keep believing. You know, I have a faith challenge that I'm happy to share with you, and I would like for you even to pray about it. I don't have a watch anymore. I'm just trying to see what time it is. It's time for me to close. But the reason that I come back here, and I've come back here, I don't know how many times in the last mm, 30, 40 years, since the church got planted, which I know was not that long ago, I think... 25 years, maybe, something. How old is the church here? 20 years? Sean, is, Sean doesn't know. Uh, Paul, Paul, what is it? Almost 25 years. So I've been here, Paul's been here the whole time. I, I've probably been here, he remembers all my sermons. He keeps them. Uh, <laughs> check, check with Paul later. Uh, I think I've been here five, six times. I mean, it's been spread out. It's been two years in a row, but it's spread out. The reason I keep coming is because
because I have a lot of great people. When I was a student at Old Dominion, I wasn't a Christian. Okay, I regret that. Wasn't my time yet. I, I have a lot of great friends, teammates that I played basketball with. We were very successful. They're like brothers to me. People, coaches, support staff at the university. A lot of people here who are very good to me, who gave a lot to me. And I keep coming back here, and I'm glad I get a chance to preach because I like to see them, and that's great, and that's rewarding. But what I want more than anything is I want to reach some of those people for Jesus. They're at different places on their journey. And I have to tell you today, I'm just going to be brutally honest with you. In all the trips that I've been back, and all the conversations that I had, and all the efforts that I've made, I do not see with my eyes at this point that anything that I've done has done anything to bring any of those people closer to Jesus. So I feel the need to dig deep in my faith. Because part of me today, even this morning I'm having my prayer time, I talked to Sean a little bit, I'm like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I like the Hampton Roads Church, but not that much. Uh, I'm sorry, I know... I'm being honest again. Am I, yeah, I have these inner thought, inner dialogue, and I shouldn't say it out loud, but then I do. You know, I, it's like, I mean, maybe, so I'm seriously thinking, you know, I'm thinking, you know, maybe this is just a waste of time and money to come back. You ever feel that way? You ever feel that way? It's been so long, so many years. Why? I should just give up. You know what Jesus is saying to you? You know what Jesus is saying to me? Do not be afraid. Just believe. I want you to take today, I want you to think about the faith challenge in your life. I want you to not only think about it, but you put it before the Lord. I want you to share it with somebody else. And I want everybody in here, if you're not a Christian yet, Wherever you're at in your journey, I want you to take the challenge of Jesus, to dig deep and go further in your faith. Do not be afraid. Just believe. Thank you.